0: Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Good morning, everyone. How is everyone? We'll, we'll start over here. Uh, no, I'm assuming. Either you're just fine or you've come to get just fine or you wouldn't be here. We're glad that you're here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the day that you've given us. Father, may we honor you in it. We pray, Father, um, for ourselves. We pray for a broken world, Father. We pray again for what's happening, Lord, in Israel. as souls, Lord, are leaving this earth without knowing you. God, as I'm doing that, I pray, too, for the folks, the people who are experiencing the pain in this world, Father, of men hating men, people wanting things that don't belong. Father, I pray for your grace to fall in these places, and peace, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. I uh, just recently heard an older gentleman, older than me. Uh, tell a story. He he started the story by saying, I'm 84 years old. I decided a few mornings ago to go have breakfast at McDonald's. So I pulled up to, I I went through the drive-thru and I pulled up to the big screen there and I'm deciding what I want. When I'm looking at the menu, a a young lady pulls up in her car behind me and, and within... Within a minute or so, as he's making up his mind, she starts honking her horn and then starts yelling and waving her hands. And some of what she was shouting out the window at him uh, had to do with his age. So he makes his order. He says, I pulled forward to the first window where you pay. And he says, I want to pay for my breakfast and I want to pay for the the person behind me, I wanna pay for their meal. And they say, okay, fine. So he pays for both and then he pulls, gets in line to go get his stuff and she pulls up to the window to make her order and of course that person says, well, that guy just paid for your breakfast and she's, she's going, oh my goodness. He sees, he's looking in the mirror and said, I saw her hand go up to her mouth and she's going, oh my. And she's saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. He just kind of waves and he pulls forward and finally it's his turn at the window and he hands both receipts through the window and says, I want both those breakfasts, I paid for them. (laughs) And he got both breakfasts and he pulled out just sort of chuckling to himself that she was gonna have to go around again. He ended his story, he said, hey, he said, don't mess with old people. (laughs) Said, we've been around a while. As I thought of that story, I thought, here's a young woman who is living and dying by her expectations and she probably had just had an adjustment. How many of you have ever lived with unrealistic expectations? We all have, it's a common human And part of the problem with with living with unrealistic expectation is we don't know they're unrealistic. We think somehow this is possible. And so we move forward and act on them. But if we could really see the world the way that God does, how many of you think it might change a few things? My current situation, the world situation. What if I could see it? But that's why we have the scripture, and that's why we have been given the Holy Spirit, embedded in our lives, to begin adjusting our hearts and our minds to begin to see the world like He does. See, when it comes to living in the kingdom, when it comes to living in the Spirit, we either kind of act out of this, this poorly managed and incomplete knowledge pool, or or we just simply shoot too low my expectations of god in my life are a lot lower i I don't know i don't understand that that god is really a lot bigger than i thought and he's a lot bigger in me than i thought and so so i constantly shoot low well this is kind of what paul was doing when he was writing the book of romans He was writing to a group of people who didn't have a Judaic background, didn't have the promises on their lives that had come through the prophets and the law. And they had been introduced, they had been given the privilege now of entering the kingdom of heaven through believing in Jesus' death and his resurrection. And he was wanting to make sure that they were going to understand what they had been given. And in order to do that, in those first seven chapters, he spends time talking about not only what they've been given, but he also is telling them what they aren't anymore, who they don't have to be. And, and so that they understand that everything, that as members now of the household of God, that everything that had been promised, that the church in Jerusalem had begun to experience at Pentecost and, and, and through that period of time, that every bit of that now belonged to them too. And so, this, so we, we bring ourselves to this brilliant passage. One of my favorite chapters in the whole world is Romans 8. Paul is doing this wonderful job of telling them how grace has come to them as Gentiles, and now that it's come to them, it doesn't really matter that they're Gentiles. They're part of the kingdom of God, they're part of the family, and now everything that belongs in the family is theirs. So we have this chapter eight that covers this theology of, of for all of life, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an amazing chapter from beginning to end and of of all of life, but I was reading it one time and some years back and I was kind of wrestling with my own prayer life at the time and just like not happy, not feeling like it was going where it ought to go and and I was reading Romans and reading Romans, I I came to Romans eight and I realized that not only is there a track here for all of my life, but there's a track to follow when it comes to prayer. And so that's what I wanna kind of break down for you Uh, today, Paul wanted the Romans to have realistic expectations now for who they were because their expectations. How many of you understand in Jesus, our expectations for what's going on in my life and in the world ought to change. So turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Okay. Paul was telling them that they could now have realistic expectations in their prayers Because first of all, God had established his own pathway. He had made a way of connection. We couldn't. He did. Verse 1, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So Paul is saying there's a significant liberty that has now become yours. Because of sin, because all of humanity exists under this condemnation, there's a separation that's coming. There's a sentence of spiritual and eternal death. And, And we experience everything that comes from death. And one of the things that's pretty obvious around death is that there's silence. I no longer have a voice. Neither am I able to hear anyone else's voice. I'm dead. I'm cut off. And that was our condition. That was the condition of the Romans. But now God in his grace and in his great love had, had opened the doors. They had now become part of God's eternal plan. And so erasing death Erase, was erasing the silence. Something now had happened where, where God could begin to communicate. He had created the means in the, in the presence of the Holy Spirit now embedded in our lives, living in us, There was a means by which God could speak and and through whom I could speak to God. The silence has stopped. Life has come. It's not the situation of death anymore. See, man has kind of been, we've been shouting at the heavens forever. Man understands there's something, one of the things I've noticed about people, if you talk to people about Jesus at all, most people have some sense of their lostness. They know they're not connected. Man has been trying to reach into the heavens to pull God down or to find some way to to elevate themselves into God's presence for years. And out of that, we've gotten all kinds of religions. We've gotten uh, all kinds of control uh, uh, and manipulative type things. We've got atheism that came out of that. because People thought they tried to, to reach God and they didn't think he was there. So therefore, there's no God. We got violence and hatred and all kinds of division that came, and it was all around this issue of, of, we know, we think we found a pathway. Our pathway is right. And God looked at all of that, and he said, man, I got to fix that. I have to bring, the, I have to bring the, the function. I have to bring the pathway. And what Paul is telling them is that the pathway now exists. Now, what's our part of that? How do we get into that pathway? Well, we use the word repent. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> How many of you know the word repent? It's usually in our minds it's not a favorable thing. It's a guy in a sandwich sign, big beard, uh, shouting at people, you know, that the time has come, repent. It's kind of interesting because in the earliest, the earliest Hebrew writers used the word uh, repent. Uh, and, and the word in the beginning uh, meant uh, to take a deep breath and sigh. In other words, it was kind of connected to the sadness of knowing of your separation, of realizing your lostness. And so the feeling that you had. But as time went on, the Hebrew the Hebrew writers began to change the meaning of it. And so it it began to take on a new meaning. And and the new meaning was to turn, to reverse course, to go uh, in the opposite, to head in the opposite direction. So what happened was the the word no longer, uh, repent was no longer about feelings, it was about action, you see? Yeah, there might be some feelings involved, but it, there ought to be an action taken. So the repentance is the thing that we do when we go. Wow, this isn't getting it. I'm not connecting with God, and, and that someone tells you, well, Jesus, Jesus came, died for your sins, and you begin to turn in His direction, and you, you head in that in that uh, uh, you head in the in the uh, into the place where God Himself has established communication. I'm alive now, I can hear and I can speak. It's kind of interesting, in the beginning, when John the Baptist came to preach about Jesus' soon arrival, this was his message. This is Matthew 3 uh, and 1. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come. Repent, there's the word. Motion, yeah, but turn, he's saying turn. Well, next chapter, very next chapter, Jesus comes, gets baptized, so Jesus starts his ministry. This is Matthew 3, 1. In those days, John the Baptist, excuse me, that was read already. Matthew 4, said, from all that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So what's the difference between John's message and Jesus' message? Both of them are exactly the same. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's like, Jesus, really? You didn't have some better material than that? You know, stealing from John? But here's the difference. There was a vast difference in the two sermons. John was preaching what we needed to repent from. That's what he knew. He didn't know about, a lot about what was coming. Jesus was preaching about what we are repenting to. His whole life in ministry was showing the whole world what was now available, what now could happen, because God has gotten involved in this mess. God has come into this. The kingdom of heaven is not. So Jesus' emphasis was on the kingdom is here. John's was on repent. See, that's where we are. God has forgiven and removed the weight of our lostness. He's he's turned us towards his love. What's that got to do with prayer? It's got a lot to do with prayer. Because if you don't think that's who's listening on the other end, your whole prayer life is going to be striving, just hoping to get God's attention. And there's no difference between that and the condition that man has been in forever. You get me? See, I know there's somebody on the other end listening, and I also know that that same God who is listening to me is also speaking to me, and it makes all the difference in the world. Here's the second thing. Always we can believe we have realistic expectations in our prayer. Our minds have been changed. Ah, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Ooh, how many of you know, I understand, that if your life is going to get changed, your head is gonna have to get changed. Now, your heart's gonna have to get changed too. Those two are Siamese twin heads and heart. But we're talking about heads today. That's the other one's another sermon. See, there's something wrong in your head. Just like there was in mine. Jesus died so he could be with us. Jesus died so we could abide with him and he could abide with him. He wasn't just populating heaven. He wasn't just going to fill the condos that he told his his followers that, that his father had built. He was going to have something real. He was building people, and he was going to do life with them, and they were going to do it with him. They were going to fellowship. They were going to, he was going to act on us and through us. But in this natural state, as what, what Paul is writing here, that natural state, we are poorly equipped to live that way. We cannot have a decent conversation with God without God helping us. So the way it is. He created a way to change it, his, his way. Every human being, me and you, the biggest battle we will ever fight is right here. How many of you would agree with me? This is the, this is the battleground. I'm constantly rebuking the devil out there. I rebuke you, devil. But it's the one, the voices that are in my ears, the memories that are in my head, those are the things that need to come under the sanctifying blood of Jesus, to change my mind so that I can think God's thoughts. Jesus did that. That's what Paul is telling. Him. He said, "Listen, you're a bunch of pagans, you old Romans, you're a bunch of pagans. You had a weird way of looking at the world. You had a weird way of trying to manipulate the gods. But Jesus is in your life now. Jesus has come in. And you are connected to all, the Almighty, the Creator, the one who, who holds the universe in his hands and in his heart. You are in communication with him and no other. God created way for that to happen, and he changed our minds in order for it to happen. See, it's no mistake that Paul tells the church in Corinth, he he says, listen, you guys have been given the mind of Christ, and then he turns right around, and he says, but you're not living in it. That's the problem. I've been given the mind of Christ, but I have to learn to live with it, because it's a better head than the one I've got. It's a better mind. How many of you understand the devil knows more about your mind and God's desire to transform it than you do? He does. That's why he constantly lies to you and whispers in your ears. That's why he constantly twists the truth, and he encourages you to live in your own reality. I think this is a huge problem in in our our current society is that we keep telling each other that we can, we can create a reality of our very own, and then we really can live in it. The problem is everybody else has to live in it too to make it work. How many of you found that to be successful? See, God creates reality. God creates what's true, and he the, the devil is, is always intentional in trying to get us to believe that we can have this reality, that we can listen to voices that don't give life, and somehow the end of that is going to be a good thing. No, the work of the Holy Spirit is to begin to change my mind. See, prayer creates an environment of truth. Prayer, the discipline of praying, of regularly praying, creates an, an A a reality that God can operate in and that I can live in. I pray. Prayer creates an atmosphere in my head and in my heart that helps me understand God's kingdom and begins to see how it's applicable, how it works in this time. This was Jesus's uh, message. He said, said, repent for what? The kingdom of heaven has come. It's, It's come near. And he said, everything I'm going to do from now on is to try to show you how that kingdom works and how you're meant to live in it. That's where, that's where we're, we've been given the blessing of prayer and ministry. Prayer scrubs my mind. It washes me. Prayer helps me understand scripture. It lifts my eyes so that I can can see God and begin to see him for who he really is and and not for for just who I I wanna try to make him. If I'm gonna live in reality, it has to be God's reality. It can't be my own. See, so prayer has been given for all of that. Prayer gives encouragement for life and for peace. Prayer protects my new mind and my new heart. See, I would encourage us all to examine the way we pray. What's your prayer like? It, I mean, do you, do you spend time? If I don't spend time, I've been, I've been moving around for the last month and, and my prayer life has gotten really disturbed. But how many of you, you pray on the way to work and that's like the only time God hears from you? You don't have to put your hand up, that would be like really embarrassing. <laughs> and I personally don't want that information. But having to do it, it's the only time that I ever engage God. See, that's, there's nothing wrong with the prayer on the way to work. I just encourage you to pray some other prayers at another time. Most of us have a problem with our prayer life because we simply haven't created the time to do it. We're busy, life's demanding, things keep moving. And, and I think, okay. I know God's on the other end listening and I want to hear, but I, I'll, if you do not begin to set some moments aside, start small. You don't have to do an hour first time out. But if you don't set some time where you begin to sit and listen and not just read off your list. But I sit and I listen and at, I let God's peace come into my life. I, 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 I allow him to, to to uh, uh, let me sense his love and his compassion for me and and let there be some quiet in my heart. If that doesn't happen, then then the other prayers just become something that I'm I'm throwing off, making God somehow the butler. He's got to answer these things. Examine the way you pray. How consistent is it? See, there's important stuff going on in this world right now. I think the world needs people, believers, who can hear God's voice. Amen. How many of you agree with me? Amen. Not just people who know some stuff about God, but people who have a working relationship because they've spent the time and the energy to make it happen. See, we can have a real realistic expectation in our prayers because every aspect of life has been impacted. Um, Verse 10, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He, was, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of this, his spirit who lives in you. See, there's no area of a, of a, in your existence, no area in your life that God now cannot touch because he has entered you. The Holy Spirit has come in. If you have become a believer, a follower of Jesus, part of, the, part of the experience, part of what happened on that day when you asked your sins to be forgiven and you threw yourself on the mercy of God, part of what happened that was incredibly significant was the Holy Spirit entered your life. And he wants to fill you and wants to complete and do the work in you. And so now I, I I live not by myself, but the Holy Spirit. And as I as I pray, as I am encouraging you to, to build your prayer life, whatever it looks like, increase it. But as as you as you're doing this, something begins to happen to me where I start to believe some of my own prayers. Like I pray the prayer. Lord, I'm yours. I'm I'm at a point in my life where some people, they want me to downshift. It's like your hair goes gray and suddenly people look at you differently, right? And I live at this point where I'm going, I cannot, I I can't live if I'm not useful. If there's not something of the kingdom going on, if I'm not giving away something that God has given to me, and, and somebody else's life is getting better because I'm around. If that's not what's happening, then, then Lord, you might as well just take me home now. Getting? <laughs> 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 and we go, hey, 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 we got it on film. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? So we pray these prayers. And so the prayers are, Father, use me. Father, show me where to go. Father, what's mine is yours. Let your will be mine. And as I pray and spend more and more time, I begin to believe that. Mine's yours. And what I was really surprised is he's even concerned about my longevity. Yeah, I, Linda and I just recently got, we just got home from Europe. We've been in Europe. And it started with a trip to Krakow, Poland. How many have been to Krakow? Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) We went to Krakow, but we went there on purpose. We went there for ministry. I went with, uh, throw that picture up. This is a group of people who are all ministering all over Europe. I had some interesting things happen recently. Um, I went, I was there, my wife, you see my wife there, my brother... My brother's back in the back row, Dave. Dave's here at Life Church. Here, he, he's also been a pastor. He and I have ministered together for years. He's been coming and going in Eastern Europe for a long time. And then James Kitchen, who also attends here. James was my associate pastor at the Vineyard when we merged, and he became part of staff for a while, but then went to work for a fellowship of Christian athletes here in Nevada. Was the head of it here in Nevada for, for a while. His wife uh, Sarah's right there and then the three kids, three older ones sitting on there, they're their three kids, they all come from, they all live in Life Church, they all attend at Life Church. And James has recently become the, uh, the director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes for all of Northern Europe. That's significant, didn't just happen. This was the first gathering. It's a picture of the people, and there were some others that came later, but, but that was the first night. These are people who have discovered that through athletics, that's what FCA does. It ministers to youth. There's a, <clears throat> for, for students all the way up into professional sports, they, they minister with and through athletes, trying to, to introduce them to Jesus and then bring them along as disciples. And what you just saw are the families that are involved. There are people there from Southern Europe, there are people from Eastern Europe, people from the Scandinavian countries, people from Great Britain, there are people from America that, that were there. One, one gentleman, Ali, was from Iran, but now working in, in Austria. And they all work through sports. And they've they've done some incredibly creative things. But what's happened there is that the, the church is in trouble in Europe. It's in deep trouble. There are bright spots and things that are going on. God's always got his people. But the church is not not reaching the youth. But FCA is. And so some have begun to support. There's even a group of of, uh, evangelical Catholics, people who've remained in their church but have embraced with all their heart the new birth, have embraced all that it brings. They've seen what the FCA is doing, so they've thrown their weight and their resources behind the work of reaching young people. Some of them begun work that's very creative with what they call all abilities. In other words, people uh, that, that are, have, have got some kind of a disability in their life have begun ministering, and so a group that hasn't been ministered to at all is now being reached through athletics. Our role, we were asked to come as, as prayer support to, to minister to these guys because some of them are pretty beat up as you can imagine, but something is going on there, and 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 you know to have even said yes to that at this point in my life it's like God really? You couldn't have done this ten years ago. <laughs> no, hair was pretty much the same color then, but I felt a little better. But I keep praying the prayer, like these guys prayed their prayer, and they say, God, our lives are yours, and what do they find themselves? They were, there was guys from Moldova. There were Ukrainians that had been displaced and were now, instead of, uh, instead of just fleeing, they went into ministry, and they're ministering through athletics. One guy, Ivan, who just a tremendous guy. He's a wrestler, and, and he's ministering to wrestlers in Germany now. He's learning German and English. Um, but he's, he's Ukrainian, and the pain and the stories that they told over and over again, but instead of letting it, it, it crush them, it's become this moment of ministry and outreach. Made moments, great moments in, in uh, Great Britain, meeting some people there so that this probably, the work that, we've, that we are starting is probably gonna go on. It'll probably go back. Yay. I love those 11-hour flights you walk out like this <laughs> two days you see if i if if i want the holy spirit to do in me and through me then i better be paying attention to what the holy spirit wants me to do all right let's finish this up you guys are talking too much <laughs> you can have realistic e- expectations in your prayer because they are a combined effort now with the Holy Spirit, verse 26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for. That's God talking to you. You don't know what you ought to be praying for. You think you know. Who knows? He knows. You don't know know what you ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself. Intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You got that? Holy Spirit, when, he, when I'm praying these Holy Spirit-driven prayers, I have the capability of now finding myself in lockstep with God's purposes. Because the Holy Spirit knows the will of God. He's not guessing. I'm guessing. But I can know. That's what Paul's writing. He said, Romans, you got to know in your prayer life, you can now fall in lockstep with this Savior and do things the way that he does things. And then verse 28 is a verse we all know, and quote, but usually out of context. But we know that in all things, God works for good to those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I want you to know, you've all been called according to his purpose. But not every one of us is walking according to his purpose. How do I get there? What do you think prayer? What do you think we're talking about? See, this is the process. This is the process to which I have been invited. Everything is in place. This is what Paul's telling me. I've been turned. There's, a, there's a, a means by which we can communicate. God created it. He's changing my mind. He's changing my heart. And now he's teaching me that I can know that I can pray his will. How many of you think the, the average answered prayer, the, the percentage might go up if you were praying according to the will of God? Just a question. See, the prayers; those prayers get answered. So what we do, we have a couple ways that we pray, you know? Um, well, we have a lot of ways that we pray, but I don't have time for all that. We have a couple ways that we pray. The first one is when I tell God what to do. Ever prayed any of those? I've been thinking about this, God. And I think I can counsel you. So for the next five minutes, what I'm telling you, I hope you're taking notes because I've got some really good ideas. And so we start telling God what he needs to do. That's one type of prayer. But then there's this other prayer that might be even more dangerous. It's a prayer where I take no responsibility. I just pray. Someone says, would you pray for me? Sure, I'll pray for you. Pray, I pray my simple prayer, disengage, through my responsibility, I'm off and I, just in case, because I don't know what the will of God is in this thing, so I pray this way, and I've prayed this a thousand times. I pray my prayer and then I say, if it be thy will. Well, I did back when I was a, a real true, honest to goodness Baptist, I said, thy, now I say, your. See, if it be your will, and I, just, I discard it. Well, what have I just done? See, what Paul is talking about is, no, you can pray according to the will of God for this person, for this situation. And so rather than saying, if it be thy will, I say, Father, what is your will? Remember those, those bands, those things, that uh, what would Jesus do? You know, WWJD. I had some printed up, made, that said W-I-J-D. I said, What's that? It's what is Jesus doing? I liked it better. It's like, God, what are you doing in this situation? What are you doing right now? What are you doing in my life? What are you doing? This, people, this person's asked for prayer because their request might be right on the button, but what happens if God has something else in mind? You see, this, these models are the models that we've had. And, and it's not bad, but, but what if I could be that person who instead of, like it says in, in Proverbs 3, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do what? Lean what? Not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, submit to him is, is what it is in the Hebrew. Submit to him, and he will make your path straight. What would happen if we start praying those prayers that weren't dependent on what bit of information I've got, which is helpful, good place to start, that's the place that I start. But what would happen if I prayed those prayers, not with the if it be thy will, but I prayed, Father, what is your will? What do you wanna do here? What if it takes you a few days to come to that? What if, what if I have to pray a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time for this situation or for that person? What if, though, I end up praying the will of God for that person? How many of you think that prayer might just get answered? Maybe the problem with our unanswered prayers is we just don't have the tenacity. It occurred to me this morning, and I'm done. It occurred to me this morning that if you were really going to follow Jesus, when, when he was on this earth, you're gonna have to do a lot of walking because Jesus walked everywhere. So if his disciples got to hear and see and everything that he did, but do you know what they did? They had to walk and they had to walk his pace. They, had, they couldn't outrun him, they couldn't drag. If they were gonna hear and be with him and see what was going on, they had to walk with him. I think it's time for the church to walk with Jesus to listen to him and to wait for him or we're gonna constantly be wandering in the woods with no idea. I'm just encouraging you. There's a lot coming. There's a lot coming. This world is a mess. The whole thing with Israel, the whole thing right now that my heart is broken for the Ukraine because I now know some Ukrainians whose lives are busted up. This world needs believers, the real version, the ones that look like Jesus. And there's only one way to get there, folks. It's not magic. It's you taking advantage of what God has himself provided and letting that become the center of your being. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth that is in Christ. May that be the truth, Lord, in which we determine to live. Lord, make us a people willing to do the heavy lifting. Help us to be those people, Father, who not only will hear, but will act. Bless this church, Father, as we pray for this world. Pray for the the pain. Lord, once again in Israel, once again, Lord, in, in, in the Ukraine, Father, the pain. Lives going into eternity, never meeting you, and how that has to break your heart. Father, let the church rise. Let us be who we're supposed to be. Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.